Attention, you're listening to the Todd Huff Radio Show, America's home for conservative, not bitter talk radio. Be advised that the content of this program has been documented to prevent and even cure liberalism, and listening may cause you to lean to the right. Here's your conservative, but not bitter host, Todd Huff. (laughs) I gotta tell you, that was something to behold yesterday. Joe Biden's press conference. In fact, he said in the press conference yesterday that he is planning to run in 2024. But I gotta tell you, whoever's running the shots, calling the shots around here, running the show around here with the Biden administration... They may have something else to say about that. In fact, they may be thinking this guy's not going to be president by Memorial Day. Heck, I'm not 100% convinced the guy can be president by lunch, if I'm being quite honest with you. My, oh, my. I, here's him saying that, by the way. We got some other sound bites to play as well. Biden telling us that he's running in 20. Just I, This thing was atrocious. I got a text from a friend last night. Let me make sure I get it correct here, the way that he the way that he put it. Watching Biden's press conference, I don't know whether to laugh, cry, or be scared to death. <laughs> I think I think that's the general sentiments of anyone who watched that thing. Anybody. That was an absolute unmitigated disaster and a train wreck. And we know now why they waited nine weeks to put this guy out there in front of the media. We knew anyway. But we got to witness, we got to experience, we got to taste, we got to see exactly what it is that makes this guy, well, that makes the Democrat Party, the administration, again, whoever's calling the shots over there, maybe Obama, we get to see exactly why they wanted to keep this guy under wraps. There is so much wrong with what happened yesterday. Here he is. Let's play this at the beginning, though. Biden saying he's going to run in 2024 that's his plan anyway and it's just not just the that part of the statement which remember at one point in time during the campaign he said he was going to be a one-term president he said that i'm gonna have to dig to find that but i remember talking about that here he is saying he's gonna run again in 24 and it's not just the way or not just the answer which is borderline ludicrous at this point it's the way in which he says it which it does entertain me listen to this and then on a related note, have you decided whether you are going to run for re-election in 2024? You haven't set up a re-election campaign yet, as your predecessor had by this time. <laughs> My predecessor need to, needed to. <laughs> My predecessor. Oh, God, I miss him. Um, have you, have you, no, the answer is yes. My plan is to run for re-election. That's my expectation. And then on, on, on one other note. <laughs> my, prede- my predecessor. My predecessor had to. <laughs> oh, folks, this is atrocious. The guy's up there. First of all, I'm not convinced. I am not convinced that they did not vet these questions. I, joking, uh, I jokingly mentioned that yesterday. Because you know that they feared this. You know that they, the people again calling the shots over there, which is not Joe Biden. Folks, it is not Joe Biden. If if you watched this yesterday and you believe that Joe Biden is the one running the Joe Biden White House, um, 
I don't know how you can come to that conclusion. Because if he was, um, you know, we would... I can't even imagine the the things that we would be talking about at the moment. I mean, it is so disconnected from reality. It is... it is, an, again, an unmitigated disaster. And so they want to control this because for the left, what matters is image. For the left, what matters is optics. The left would rather you think that they look like they're doing a good job than actually do a good job. This is why, by the way, there is no media allowed in these facilities along the southern border. You can't get within a country mile of these things. This is why AOC is not down there doing her make-believe photo shoot where she's sobbing in her hands outside a fence that's miles away from the facility or great distance from the facility. She wanted you to think that she was standing right outside a fence where children were locked in cages and suffering and she could see it and there was just nothing she could do. Instead, it was a staged photo shoot. You could barely see the building on the horizon. I don't see her going down there and doing it now. This is all... Optics, everything is about appearances. Nothing is about reality. It's all about what they think. They can make you believe about it and how they're fixing the problem. Yesterday, Biden was up there saying that he's absolutely in you know, a transparent presidency and the media will be able to get into the facilities at some point. And you know what the some point is? The some point down the line is the point at which Whatever image that, they, that you can see in that facility is what they want you to see. Is that transparency? Folks, he was reading. He was reading from a list, of, uh, from a list. and not very well, may I add. When he was calling, it, it was a you, you flash back to Trump and his dealings with the media, which was something to behold, by the way. Whatever you thought about his answers, whatever you thought about his style, he did not need a piece of paper to tell him who to call on. He did not need long moments of pause to answer basic questions as Joe Biden does. He did not need any of that. Biden's literally, okay, who do I call on next here? Uh, ooh, yeah, uh, yeah, uh, let me see. Uh, 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 sorry. Uh, uh. That's what this thing was. Then he calls on the next person. Again, I'm not not making a blanket allegation here, saying that he's seen the questions. But I I would not be surprised if we found that out. I would not be surprised if they at least know in advance what he was going to be asked. At least the topic, maybe the question, maybe there was the president will talk about these. It would not surprise me at some point if that is what if that is what we found out. This thing was beyond a train wreck to me. And there's one point in particular, there's one point in particular where Biden um, is, well, he literally loses all ability to think and talk. And it's, I again, I do not take pleasure in this. There is something seriously wrong. This is not a normal thing. This is not a good thing. Again, I'm not taking any sort of, what do I want to say, joy in this. I'm simply not at all, not in the slightest. 
This is the president of the United States. Whatever you think about any of the words I just said there, he is sitting in the, pre- in the White House. Listen to this. This is literally – I didn't edit this. I didn't do anything. This is – I'm playing it directly out of the video feed of his press conference yesterday, 100% unedited. Listen to this. But here's the deal. As you observed, I'm a fairly practical guy. I want to get things done. I want to get them done consistent with what we promised the American people. And in order to do that, in a 50-50 Senate, we've got to get to the place where I get 50 votes so that the Vice President of the United States can break the tie, or I get 51 votes without her. And so I'm going to say something outrageous. Count on that. I have never been particularly poor at calculating how to get things done in the United States Senate. So the best way to get something done, if you if it holds near and dear to you that you uh, mm-hmm. um, like to be able to anyway, I'm, we're going to get a lot done. Mm-hmm. And if we have Obviously. to, if there's complete lockdown and chaos as a consequence of the filibuster, then we'll have to go beyond what I'm talking about. So what, what are you talking about? What in the world are you talking about? The leader of the free world. Folks, we knew this back before the election. We knew this back before the election. And look, I want to... There have been times when everybody loses their train of thought. This is this is not a rare exception to his normal, clear thinking and smooth articulation of ideas and policies and concepts and so forth. This this is a legitimate problem. And as I said off the top, as I said off the top, Biden says he anticipates and plans to run for president in 2024. And the handlers, I'm telling you right now, the handlers, the people who, the people who made the calls after, uh, after South Carolina, after the South Carolina primary, and the ones who called Pete Boot Edge Edge, the ones who called Amy Klobuchar, the ones who called Elizabeth Warren, and they said, look, we need everybody to drop out of the race and get around, you know, circle around Joe Biden. When they made that decision, and I'm telling you, it was a gut-wrenching decision they made. They were looking around that room and they were saying, are you telling me the only chance we've got here is to put our chips on Joe Biden? And I can see him like somebody in the corner, his head in his hands, someone screaming in the mirror. (laughs) Another person just literally starting to laugh at the absurdity of the position they were in. But when whoever made those phone calls, whoever told Pete Buttigieg to drop out and Amy Klobuchar and all that. Whoever said circle the wagons around Joe Biden. And some of them we do know and others of them we may not necessarily know. But these are the folks that are still having a major you know, influence, impact, or maybe even control over this administration. And they are <laughs> – they're not happy with this. They're not happy with this. And there is no way under the, the current path we're on that a 2024 Biden presidency is anywhere in their wildest imagination. I half-jokingly said Memorial Day maybe what these guys are thinking or maybe lunch today, probably when Biden 
calls a lid on his day anyway. That had to be exhausting. The guy is not fit for lots of reasons, ideologically unfit, but just as a matter of just watching him cognitively on the spot. Now, this is a friendly media. Very, In fact, we've got a soundbite about that that I'll play here after the break. Friendly media. Completely order, you know, orderly environment. Everybody's socially distanced and masked up. I see Biden doesn't have a mask on here. Cruz got scolded by a reporter yesterday. Uh, Sir, we would like to have you wear a mask. And Cruz says, I'm not going to do that while I'm talking. Well, we we would feel safer if you did. (laughs) No one said that to Biden. He's calling from a list, literally from a list of reporters. And again, it wouldn't surprise me if they had provided these questions in advance, or at least what are you going to ask him about? It, It wouldn't surprise me. Would it you? Truly, would it you? And the media, which was clamoring about Trump having a uh, you know, a war on the First Amendment. He was against a free speech because he called them fake news, and he challenged them right to their face, and he would call them out right to their face. I haven't heard any anybody complaining about this. Reading from a sheet of paper, who he's going to call on next? He can't keep it together in this environment with a bunch of friendly, ideological uh, comrades in, in the in the. Uh, They're in the White House with him. This thing was an unmitigated disaster. It is exactly why they waited nine weeks or whatever it was now for him to be trotted out there in front of the American people because this, my friends, was completely – this exposed this guy, for anyone that watched this, exposed this guy on multiple, multiple levels, and it was not good. Not good. Going to put a lid on this segment. Come back and play a couple sound bites. Also, later in the program, have another conversation with Jay Hyde, Executive Director, uh, Director of Shepherd Community Center, that I want to share with you, talking about some important issues uh, as well with some of the things uh, to help address the root causes of poverty and to break that cycle of poverty. And we do this once a month, and I'm always uh, it's always a pleasure to have Jay on. So that'll be later in the program as well. But a timeout is in order. Sit tight. You're listening here to Conservative Not Bitter Talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff, back here in a minute. Welcome back. By the way, I didn't say this off the top because I was so interested in getting into this Joe Biden nonsense. Email, thoughts, questions, adoration and praise also accepted, Todd at ToddHuffShow.com. Folks, sign up for the free email newsletter. Those go out every Tuesday. We've got a new column that's in there, and there's some other things that we're looking to add here in the short uh, in short order as well. ToddHuffShow.com slash subscribe. Download the podcast as well. It might be the only way right now that I can guarantee you that you're going to have access to the content besides listening on Freedom 95. YouTube is in the process of blocking us. I mean, we're it, our channel will come down from YouTube. So if you're listening on there, find another way to connect with us or you, we're going to lose lose touch. Anyway, 
wanted to get those things out of the way. I mentioned that this um, <laughs> that the media was a friendly media, and you know this, but it's beyond just being a friendly media. It is a fawning media. I want you to listen to this, and I I decided to cue this up. Biden is finishing an answer to a previous question. And I just want you to hear, again, this is 100% unedited. This is being played directly out of the PBS video feed that I've got plugged into the soundboard here um, of yesterday's disastrous press conference. So I want you to hear the process of him stopping the question, him being an awkward pause, just like George Costanza. I'm all awkward pauses. Then he looks, consults his list of reporters, who I'm going to call on next. Then he calls on the reporter, and then the reporter asks this question. <laughs> oh, my goodness, it's a PBS reporter. Um, I j- just, just listen to this. You want, I said when Trump was president, and I, I stand by it 100%, the most dangerous time for – the, the, the most dangerous thing a media can be engaged in in dealing with political figures, leaders, elected officials, I guess is the better term, the people responsible for directing this country down an ideological path. The most dangerous thing we can have is not if the president calls them fake news. That is – that's not the dangerous thing. It's, I guess it's dangerous – I. Well, I know it's dangerous if the president was to stop, uh, you know, try to use his powers to silence media sources, you know, like the Obama administration went after Fox News, that sort of thing. Other reporters, remember they were spying on reporters, remember that? That's a lot more dangerous than some president saying fake news right there for everybody to see in the light of day and to hash it out, to fight about it, to talk about it, to argue about it. But what's more dangerous than calling the media fake news is having a a media that is fawning and adoring, falling all over themselves when they're speaking to the president of the United States because he or she is a Democrat or a liberal. It is necessary for there to be some degree of an adversarial system here. You can't all be buddy-buddies. You can't have a situation where you, where people like me even question, legitimately question, whether or not the idea of questions being given to the president beforehand is something that is at least possible. Again, I'm not making the allegation. I'm simply saying it wouldn't necessarily surprise me. He's going down a list. They're fine with that. Completely fine with that. It It's a disastrous sort of situation. So Biden finishing up a question yesterday at this stupid press conference goes to the next reporter on his list. I just want you to hear this thing in all of its glory. Here it is. So let's see what happens. All I know, I've been hired to solve problems, to solve problems, not create division. And all we've done is talk about the filibuster. Here's the uh, silence. Okay. Uh, how about Yamish? So she stands up. Mr. President, um, you've said over and over again that 
immigrants shouldn't come to this country right now, this isn't the time to come. That message is not being received. Instead, the perception of you that got you elected as a moral, decent man is the reason why a lot of immigrants are coming to this country and entrusting (laughs) you with unaccompanied minors. How do you resolve that tension? And how are you choosing which families can stay and which can can go, given the fact that even though with Title 42, there are some families that are staying? And is there a timeline for when we won't be that seeing these way overcrowded too many facilities which run by CPB when it comes to unaccompanied minors? Well, look, I guess I should be flattered. People are coming because I'm the nice guy. That's the reason why it's happening, that I'm a decent man or however it's phrased. And, moral. You know, that's why they're coming, because moral, you know, Biden's a good guy. Moral Truth man. of the matter is, nothing has changed. As many people came, 28 percent increase in children to the border in my administration, 31 percent in the last year of in 2019 before the pandemic. This is how it was in the Trump administration. Are you kidding me? It happens every single solitary year. There is a significant increase in the number of people coming to the border when in the winter months in of. January, February, March. Surprisingly, it happens every year. Amnesty. In addition to that, there is stimulus checks. And nobody. And by the way, does anybody suggest that there was a 31 percent increase under Trump because he was a nice guy and he was doing good things at the border? That's not the reason they're coming. The reason they're anyway. That's that's his answer. But really, the, the part of that that I think is worth focusing on is just the question. You're a moral, moral good man or decent man, whatever she said. That's the question. That's the setup to the question. Because you're a moral guy, people are coming here. A good guy. Because they saw basically Satan incarnate in the office before you, who was evil, maniacal, a dictator, who was at war with the First Amendment. By the way, Biden says that I don't know. I've got the soundbite somewhere. I got so many soundbites from this thing yesterday. I just, I mean, at some point, it's it's such a disaster. You don't even know where to start with this thing. But he was asked, he said, what am I supposed to do? Turn children away and force them to starve on the other side of the border? No president, I'm paraphrasing, but it's pretty darn close to this. No president has ever done that before except except my predecessor. So he's saying that President Trump caused children to starve by not letting them in to the country. Is there one single solitary case of this? I, that's not how this is done. In fact, Biden in one part of his stupid press conference was going back and forth with the reporter and was saying that, hey, um, if a child, you know, most people are turned away and she was – well, actually this uh, – Ms. Vargas, I think, was the Varga was the reporter. And he said, look, that child would be sent back home to his mother, which is the process. The, the process was simply not letting them in before. And Biden's making it sound like Trump just had a there was an encampment of, of children across the border that were starving to death because Trump wouldn't let them in. Which is preposterous, but that's these are the allegations. These are the straw man arguments that we're having to deal with, as though this is really what's happening. The idea that the perception of the Democrat Party today and what they want to do regarding the border 
The idea that ha- that has nothing to do with an influx of illegal immigrants coming into this nation, in particular children, is simply living in a fantasy world. Of course those things are connected. Of course they're connected. Quick time out. You're listening to Conservative Not Better Talk. I am your host, Todd Huff, back here in a minute. back my friends told Oz during the break here if I ever do a if I did a show one program that was like Biden's press conference I would I would hang it up there would be no more Todd Huff show that was atrocious anyway I also want to share shift gears here I want to share a conversation I had with Jay Hyde here Shepherd Community Center we have him on once a month to talk about poverty um, and how we can break that cycle of poverty as conservatives. Hope you enjoy. Here you go. Well, it is always my pleasure to have Jay Height, the executive director of Shepherd Community Center, come on the program and share with all of us uh, the 10 assets that he and Shepherd help, uh, help deliver to those in our community in need. And we've talked about the first two. Today, we're going to uh, talk about the third asset. So, Jay, welcome to the program, sir. How are you today? I'm doing really good. Well, it's always good to have you. So the first two assets, which we talked about, and folks can go back and listen to those episodes. And I really encourage folks to do this because I think that this is uh, what you're doing is really, really good. And uh, it's something that I think a lot of uh, people who do not agree with conservative ideology just don't understand. They they don't understand uh, these really important aspects or you would call assets uh, that we are trying to help deliver outside of the government through uh, organizations like Shepherd Community. So the first two were faith and health. So health if you could just quickly summarize what those are and how those apply um, to help those in our community in need. Well, we define faith as this asset in not just believing in creator God, but in a personal God who loves for them. It helps in having that long-term vision and hope. Health is, is the ability to uh, not always have to deal with sick care, but deal with health care and having access to medicine and having access to doctors. We know that health can undermine everything else and can uh, put a family in a tailspin quickly. And so this this third one is really about support, having those relationships that you can depend on when you have a, a challenge. And the mental picture, the, the word picture that you've painted for us before is like a, a bridge with planks, uh, like a rope bridge going across a, a valley or something. And having all 10 of these or having a couple of missing is a lot easier to get across than if you have one or five or whatever of these planks uh, on the bridge. And so these things work together and it's not, it's not just about uh, financial resources. It's about other components as well to really break that cycle of, of poverty. So how does Shepherd help specifically with this asset with supporting those in need in our community? Well, we try to make the connection. You know, we all have times in our lives where something happens, uh, a challenge faces us. And, you know, we define poverty as being $6 short on your 
rent and not having anyone to help you make up the difference. It's a poverty of relationships. It's, it's a poverty. It's a lack of having someone who cares about you. And, and along the journey, no one makes this journey of life alone. We make it together. God created us for community. Amen. And, and so uh, we live life together. I, that's why the long-term vision at Shepherd is re-neighboring the hood. We yeah. want to bring that whole love your neighbor back. Mm-hmm. But if you don't know your neighbor, you can't love them. And that's right. If I don't know people around or I, you know, if I don't have anyone that I think I can turn to, that, that's a huge poverty. Well, and as we were talking about this offline, just as I was wrapping my head around this third asset, we all need support at some time or another. And, you know, I've had many instances in my life that folks have done things that I didn't deserve. And a couple came to mind, but one is, you know, my wife and I, we, we have three children and she and I both have vehicles, but uh, there was a time when we had one of those periods of time when everything went wrong with our vehicles and we were, you know, we were just kind of unable to keep two, two vehicles running at the same time out of the shop. And so I had a, a dear friend who just out of the blue called and offered to, to let us borrow a vehicle for some time. And that helped us get through. And that's a major, I mean, transportation is a, a big deal and there's other things as well, but these are the sorts of things that I think you're talking about. So like if, if someone's listening right now and they think support, maybe touch on some of the areas of support that there are needs that you've seen personally in the community. Well, so for that single mother who has to take a child to the doctor, what do they do with their other children? Uh, what, what do we do if I have to go to some appointment that I'm required to go to, but my kid is sick? What, what do I do? And the vast majority of our neighborhood is single parents. And so we want to be able to help for that, that person who says, you know, my car broke down to your analogy and to say, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. And I think over the time in Jane and I's marriage of 33 plus years, and we've been blessed because people help us. Time when I lost a job and was unemployed. I came out of church on a Wednesday night and on my windshield was a stack of money. And it was the the amount of money I needed to pay my bills. <laughs> and I still to this day have no idea who put that money there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and we would agree it was God who put it there through someone. Amen. But it's, it's those types of things that is so, um, it's such a blessing that we sometimes take for granted that uh, we, there were lots of people around and for us, in our lives. Maybe you've got kids going in different directions and you're a professional Uber driver and you're trying to figure out how to get your kids to this activity, that activity, and someone says, hey, they could ride with me or that kind of stuff. is It's just hard if you don't have those relationships and people you can trust. The scripture tells us in Hebrews 13, 16, and do not forget to do good and to share with others for with such sacrifices, God is pleased. Amen. I'm reminded too, Jay, as you say this, when I was, um, I talk about this sometimes on the program, but I spent a semester at American University in Washington, D.C., and we used to feed the the homeless, do a soup line there uh, on Sundays, and right in front of, it was at Lafayette Park, right in front of the White House, which was really a surreal scene because you had this extreme, you know, poverty and and just the problems that was, uh, those were experiencing in that community, and 
it was our church that did it, Temple Baptist Church in Washington, D.C., and all they required was that you listen to the message, and it was literally, Jay, I mean, five minutes sort of thing, but the pastor that would do it was a former homeless individual, and he would talk to those there, and he would say, and what I, I think when we get, as I'm, as I'm listening to you over the course of these weeks, piecing this together and trying to see it through your eyes or through the eyes of people who are really struggling with many of these assets, is that these things, to your larger point, one at a time coming out is maybe inconvenient, a couple of them coming out, but there's a point where the, the gravity of all of these things coming together and create a, a perfect storm against you can be overwhelming to where you don't have the help and you don't have good health and you don't have support. You can't get places and you don't have money or whatever these other points are going to be along the way, these other assets. And so he would say, this pastor would say, anyone can find themselves in a circumstance where they need you know, help. They're, they're maybe even on the streets in the extreme cases where there's no one around to help them. But he says, to his point, which I think is what you're trying to do, is that collectively working together and helping one another this shouldn't be the permanent solution. So I just, as I was listening to you, I kind of, I guess, in any thoughts on that or any, what do you think of when I, I share that that story? Well, I think it, it is, I think part of what you probably experienced is a lot of people can hand out food, but what they need many times is someone to listen to them. And, and we live in a very busy, condensed world where lots of people live together in the city but they're very lonely. And I think one of the things that is support is just know that there's someone to talk to. My, my wife and I deliver food to uh, about nine families every Wednesday morning, and it's a beautiful experience. And if folks want to volunteer, that's something we need uh, every day of the week. People deliver food. And I was talking to my wife the last time we were delivering, and I said, you know, I think it's just as much that they just want someone to talk to and listen to them mm-hmm. as it is the food that what they're starving for is relationships. And so, because in relationships, you know, one of the individuals, he has a new job, but he had a tree that was falling down and it had to come down and we were able to help him do that. And, you know, that's what shepherd is about. It's, it's Mm. trying to provide that because he had no idea he was going to have to let it fall down. And I Mm. guarantee you, none of his neighbors were going to be happy because it was a big tree. (laughs) No, (laughs) Um, and what you said reminds me, man does not live on bread alone, right? And right. It is that. I mean, sometimes people look past the obvious physical needs of others, but it's not just that, to your point. And that's relationship is such a, a critical component of that. So, Jay, if folks want to help, if folks want to help support those in our community so that this cycle of poverty can be broken, how can they specifically do that with you and your organization? I think they can call us at 317-375-0203 and say, I want to volunteer. Connect me to Donna in the volunteer department to figure out how they could get involved. Maybe they want to, through technology, you can read with a kid 45 minutes a week through your computer. That's a huge thing for that kid to have someone who's listening. Uh, And maybe it's to say, you know what, I could, I could do other things. I, was with a widow who said I, she's in the process of getting a smaller house and she has some health challenges. And she said, is there someone who could help me if I look at a house, know what I'm looking at? I just want to make sure it's a good, safe house. And this lady has been a friend of my wife and I for most of the time at Shepherd for 25 years. So she knows I'm useless in that role. <laughs> I, I'm being politically correct. I'm tool challenged. I can't fix anything. And so she's smart enough to know she wants someone who at least knows what end of the hammer to use. And um, so it's, it's maybe simple things like that. Maybe it's 
it's going to the store for somebody. We I understand that COVID is has been a, a challenge, but I think we're getting through it and we're we see the light at the end of the tunnel and I think there are safe ways to engage with people and, and provide that help and assistance. And and maybe it's just calling someone and talking to them twice a week. And I'm guessing too, we haven't talked about this, but I'm guessing there's different yeah, I'm just thinking as you're you're sharing that, I'm guessing there's different types of volunteer opportunities. Maybe someone's got a small group Bible study that wants to volunteer on a regular basis. Maybe there's a retired couple or folks that are, maybe it's a business. Maybe businesses want to get together and say, hey, once a month, we'll do X, Y, or Z. I'm guessing that you're flexible and you can find a way to get folks plugged in, whether they want to do something on a short-term, medium-term, long-term basis, whether it's project-focused or, you know, getting plugged in specifically to what what you're already doing there. So Jay, tell folks again one more time how they can get in touch with you and Shepherd if they want to help yeah. uh, support our community. They could call us at 317-375-0203 and they can connect you to Donna and our volunteer program. She's a great leader and will help you figure out where to intersect with your patients and with our neighbors' needs. And they could go to our website too, shepherdcommunity.org. And you can look at all kinds of different things there, videos. Uh, we, we really appreciate your interest, Todd, and your involvement. We're excited as we come up to Easter. And the hope of Easter is real for the city. And, and we, we want to live that out each and every day, not just Holy Week. That's right. Well, Jay, I appreciate what you do. You guys do a great work. And I think you got a great organization. So, Again, this is Jay Hyde, Executive Director, Shepherd Community. And Jay, as always, is a pleasure to have you, sir. It's great to be with you. Thanks. Welcome back. As always, it's a pleasure to have Jay on the program. Jay and Shepard does, they do great work at Shepherd Community Center. And folks, if you're looking again for opportunities to volunteer to make a difference, and you know, I think we, we have issues and we should, and we should speak out against these things that happen in, in our, uh, that government contributes to in our society here, as far as it pertains to, um, kind of creating a cycle of and adding to the problem many times and and there are conservative solutions and that often involves direct involvement from the individual whether it's you know a person a couple a, a small group at church maybe a business but Jay and his team do great things so if you're interested in helping out be sure to uh be sure to connect with Shepherd Community and again it's always my pleasure to have Jay on this program got to take a break the Format was off today because of the interview and what we talked about with the press conference yesterday. Sit tight back here in just a minute. Welcome back, my friends. I know this is the most disappointing time of the week for you, and I understand as we come to the end of the program for the week, but fear not. Fear not, you can always check out archives of the program on our website, ToddHuffShow.com. You can always check out our email newsletter, ToddHuffShow.com slash subscribe. And um, look, I, I 
all kidding aside, folks, it's it's a pleasure to do what we do here, and I am indeed blessed to be able to sit here and to share what's going on in this country. I mean, it's mildly terrifying a lot with, well, sometimes tre- tremendously terrifying with what we're dealing with today, but uh, I am blessed to have you out there, and I always love hearing from you, and again, I invite you, as, as I always do, to, to share your thoughts, comments, opinions, whatever, at the email address, Todd at ToddHuffShow.com. So, Again, thank you so much. I hope you have a tremendous weekend. Look forward to coming back here next week and doing it all over again. So, guys, thank you so much. Have a great weekend. S-D-G. See you Monday. Take care.